The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Jason Christoph has developed a worldwide reputation as a self-sabotage coach who makes complex issues easy to understand for his clients. Jason discovered very early in his career, after managing one of Canada's most successful weight loss clinics, that health and self-sabotage were inherently connected. Jason also leads by example for his clients, using his immense experience learned when he overcame his own self-sabotaging behavior, which has driven him to the brink of disaster. Jason has written over 1,300 articles on a wide array of topics, all available here for free on this website. Jason believes that not only can we save ourselves with effective coaching, we can also save our children, our most important relationships, and our communities. To find out more about Jason, please visit his website, jchristoff.com. That's J-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F.com. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? Excellent, Pete. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And whereabouts are you situated today? Where are you coming from? Well, I grew up in St. John's, Newfoundland, which is the east coast of Canada. But uh, we moved to the center of Canada. I live in a town uh, called Cornwall right now, Cornwall, Ontario. It's a small town nestled between, say, Ottawa and Montreal, an hour outside each uh, city. So it's nice and peaceful, and we can get to the big city whenever we want. And it's a good atmosphere in the summer, for sure. Mate, I was introduced to you very recently, actually. It was last week. Somebody sent me something and said, you should speak to Jason over in Canada. I think you guys will get along quite well. And so I popped onto your side. I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. (laughs) Here's a guy that doesn't hold back. And, And then I started investigating what you talk about and there was one word that is on your website and in your bio and it's a word called sabotage and I would love to explore that word with you today because I know it's such a it's a triggering word for a lot of people many people may not actually understand what sabotage self-sabotage and other people's sabotage for 
the journey of evolution means to them. So why don't we start off with your definition and how you describe sabotage of self or of purpose? Well, when you get into the self-sabotage field, what you're really looking at is sort of how the we have a brain complex as humans, and that brain complex operates under very predictable parameters. So self-sabotage, when you see in the world today, you see people that want to be wealthy, that's, you know, they might buy a course on how to start a business and they never follow through. We have traditional people that want to lose weight and, you know, they lose a little bit, but they can't hold it and they gain it back. Some people might buy a home treadmill. They might get on it twice and then it just becomes a very expensive clothing rack (laughs) to dry your shirts (laughs) in the basement. So you could define it as, you know, basically when someone wants to become better, but there's an invisible glass ceiling there that they keep running into. And the reason they keep running into that is basically because of how our subconscious mind works. So we have our conscious mind. It's the part of the mind you and I are like interfacing with right now. And they've even measured that part of the mind as able to handle about 140 pieces of information a second. Well, there's another part of the mind. And this part of the mind is called the subconscious. And it's the subconscious that's responsible for us wanting to be better. But it's the reason we never get there. And they've measured the power of the subconscious mind. Like, what is this part of the mind doing? How powerful is it? It downloads information at 11 million pieces of little bits of information a second. Hmm. And why it's doing that, it's like this part of the brain is not a bad design. It's not a malfunction. It's there to protect us. It's there to make sure we survive. It's there to sort of be our bodyguard, our sentinel. And it's processing all the information in our environment, taking in all the stimuli. And what it does, and this is is why it's a pretty big problem for most people, is it downloads the average of everything. It figures out in a very powerful computer-based safety protocol mechanism, where are you going to be the most safest? Where are you the most safe? Where are you the most secure? What's the safest thing to wear? What's the safest thing to say? And so what it does is it takes in all the environmental stimuli and it develops for us some sort of our behavior. It's almost like it's the director of the show and the conscious mind, the part we're interfacing with the world, it's the actor. It's the script reader. Mm -hmm. And it's the subconscious mind that determines our behavior for us. So the subconscious mind, if it's put in a, say, a population of, say, people that are between 240 pounds and 300 pounds, it will basically estimate that it's not safe to be 220, but it's also not safe to be 340 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it will always encourage you to go and strive toward the mediocrity, strive toward the middle, strive toward the average, so that you can get the safety-based mechanism in place so that you're basically going to fit in with everybody around you. 
So it's a safety-based mechanism. And this part of the brain too, Pete, it, is, it doesn't care if being safe makes you miserable. So if the average person where you live is overweight, medicated, sort of under mind control, tranquilized, or they, have, they start their morning with coffee or they end it with wine, the subconscious mind doesn't care if striving toward the average makes you miserable or it makes you die early or it makes you, you know, depressed. It will always draw your behavior forward, write it out in a script and push it forward to your conscious mind and say, this is the safest behavior to act out. You know, this is what we're seeing today is everybody sort of acting out the average based behavior. And this part of the brain that we're talking about, the subconscious mind, it doesn't know the difference between real life and a screen. So if it sees that everybody on the screen is wearing a face mask, it will determine that the safest protocol or the safest behavior to act out will be one where you wear a mask. Yeah, I love that definition, Jason. And as you were talking about that, I actually had the thought when I wanted to, well, last night, actually, when I was thinking about what we wanted to talk about and that word sabotage, it feels like on a large scale, on a global scale, or especially in the Western world, it feels like there is a massive amount of self-sabotage going down in exactly what you're talking about. People wearing masks and thinking that it's normal because other people are doing it because they've seen it on television and they've been told that this is the way forward for to be normal. And I was having a discussion with somebody the other day. I said, they said, do you, do you not think that this virus exists? I said, there's trillions of viruses in us, on us and in our environment. I said, because we've picked one out of those trillion <laughs> that apparently is they're saying is the most dangerous, which I think is completely false, but to wear a, a mask because of this one I said, what happens when this one goes and there's still trillions of viruses? Does that mean you're going to wear a mask for the rest of your fucking life? Where is the common sense understanding of, well, whether you believe in germ theory or terrain theory or however that works, but we don't need to go into this here and now. But what I want to talk about is population sabotage because that's what I'm seeing at the moment, especially here in Australia. We have mandatory masks just coming into effect today actually or tonight at midnight in one of our states and it is a highly charged emotive situation and I don't know where it's at at the moment in Canada but I know parts of the USA people are mandating masks what's it like here in Canada at the moment well, in Canada, we're experiencing, we have the mandated masks inside any kind of closed space. Mm -hmm. So even in, say, a fitness club, you have to enter with a, a mask on, get to the change room. You can only take the mask off when you get on the gym floor. It's similar, say, for fitness clubs, then it's very similar to what restaurants are. In Canada, you have to wear the mask to your seat. As you sit, you can take it down and eat. But if you go to the bathroom, the mask has to come back up. And what people should know, what I, when I teach self-sabotage, and I have a school where I qualify self-sabotage coaches to help people all around the world overcome their self-sabotage, there's a facet of mind control that's always intertwined with self-sabotage because the people who are controlling our media and the subconscious mind 
if shown something only two times. So the subconscious mind will, again, scan the environment, and if it sees a repetition of only two patterns of behavior, two symbols, two thoughts, two beliefs that are similar, the subconscious mind instantly declares that that sort of symbol or that behavior to act out is safer than other behaviors when you only saw one repetition. And I tell people, when you watch your news, you, and if you know about self-sabotaging, you know about the subconscious mind, you'll see that all our newscasts and all our government sort of ceremonies are always based on controlling the subconscious mind, the part of the mind that we don't even know runs. It runs 24 hours a day, scanning the environment, looking for the safe card to play. And a lot of people should realize that that's the reason the entire world is walking lockstep sort of off a cliff together because the people who are in charge of our media and who are behind a lot of our government dictates and mandates that we're seeing today, they're well aware of the uh, hackability of this part of the mind, where you can actually tell a person to be afraid of something invisible that they've never seen before, and they're going to live it out like it is real. Mm, I saw that actually on a press conference. I don't watch too much mainstream news, but someone sent me something yesterday with our premier down in Victoria, which is, I guess, similar to a governor or a mayor. And it was amazing because he was up there with a translator for the deaf. But right behind them, there was probably 50 of these slogans. They're all the same slogan. I'll just, off the top of my head, I'll try to remember what it said, but basically, stay apart so we can beat this together. Something along those lines, and I read it, I was like, holy fuck, they're programming the people that watch, because that guy's on the news all day. They share that what you would call that stage that has been beautifully set with these slogans. And you don't even see it when you're looking at it because you're watching that guy speak. But then I was like, what have they written up behind them as their protect Victoria or whatever it is? It's, it's like, wow, there's brainwashing going on here. And my first thought was, I wonder how many people are actually reading that. And then just it becomes part of their programming. The subconscious takes it in. The conscious mind will focus on the speaker. So the central action point of a movie, the conscious mind will follow the actor. But the subconscious always scans the background. If you want to watch a movie or a TV show or a government uh, press release and you want to know where the mind hacks are, you always look in the background. And what you'll notice about I know I get a lot of clips from Channel 9 News in Australia. I don't know what that is, but what you'll find too is a lot of the news shows, they use hypno colors of blue and red. You'll notice that they're always blue and red because blue and red, the subconscious mind, which again is 24 hours a day scanning ability at 11 million pieces of information a second, and it's been doing that since actually the last trimester when you were in the womb. It already recognizes that the colors blue and red are the colors of authority. If you look at the political colors, they're blue and red. If you look at the police sirens, they're blue and red. 
And if you look at the news shows, they're going to be blue and red. So when the subconscious mind sees blue and red, and you'll even see our politicians either wearing a red tie or a blue tie. Blue and red means stop, comply, obey. And so they're using documented mind control techniques that hack the subconscious mind. And if the people knew, if they were educated on how their subconscious mind reacts to the colors red and blue, or how it reacts to symbols pasted in the background, they would know they're getting manipulated on a psychological level. And they probably wouldn't be too fond of the people that were manipulating them. And that's where I try to educate people to these. And a lot of entertainers use this. There's a great hypnosis, uh, like a hypnotist inside the UK called Darren Brown. And he uses this mind control technology to do absolutely amazing things on film. There's other hypnotists and mentalists that use this mind hacking technology. But what's odd, it's the same psychological manipulation of the subconscious mind that our political leaders are using against the population right now. And then mm. I tell people, try to see it because once you see it, you can consciously become aware of it. You can become immune to it. I find it fascinating because I'm on a, a telegram group of, I follow a few different people or groups and one of them is called the free thinkers. And in that group is some people that I've had on the podcast actually. And I'm not sure whether this is your expertise, but I feel like it's, it's just a perception that I have is many of these people that I've had on the podcast have talked about psychedelic and plant medicine journeys. And I wonder if it's no coincidence that the people that seem to have expanded their consciousness are the ones that are seeing through this bullshit for what it is, because they have sort of my experience of what psychedelics and plant medicines can do or expanded conscious states is to basically rewire ourselves. So all of those pre-programs that we've had since in the womb, so to speak, our belief systems sort of gets shattered so we can put them back in a way that's not as tightly fixed, so to speak. So by taking a psychedelic journey or a plant medicine journey, it's nearly the opposite of sabotage or it's the opening, it's the surrendering, it's the, the willingness to face our fears and our uncertainty and in that we discover freedom instead of being in that at what you said right at the start is that sense of safety in numbers we don't want to get too overweight or too underweight because at the moment the population is fluctuating at that 70 percent overweight or whatever it is and once you step outside of that and one of the things i've heard people say is our greatest fear is obviously our own potential so talk to me, I don't know, have you been on any psychedelic or plant medicine journeys yourself or could you speak to that? I was doing psychedelics before it was uh, <laughs> brought into the mainstream. So I was just doing it. We have in Canada, the psilocybin grows in the mountains mm -hmm. in uh, Western Canada. So it would always show up here as children. We would just eat it and just run out in the forest and have a good time. But like what you were saying to, if I could just... Let's just, I just want to, before we get in trouble here, when you say it's yeah. children you're eating, them, can we just put Teen a caveat, can we put a caveat <laughs> in there or something like And Jason and Pete Evans do not recommend children going and eating. No, take psilocybin, <laughs> definitely not. We would take it as teens and run into the woods and have fun, you know. 
But as you were saying, the greatest, the way the subconscious mind works, we are afraid of our, the biggest fear we have is our own potential, but only because we live in a society of underachievement. Hmm. The subconscious is our protector and will back us 100% toward any average. In order to overcome the self-sabotage, we actually, when we do our coaching, we trick the subconscious mind that it lives in a high achievement tribe. And then the subconscious steps up to the plate and works the levers of the brain, the hormones, and the whole metabolic system to become our best. So we are afraid uh, you know, of our own potential for greatness, but the way the subconscious mind works again, it would only be that it's only afraid of our own potential if we live in a society where greatness is inhibited or it's attacked if it's expressed. And that's why so many people today self-sabotage because you can see when you become your best, you have been attacked. I have been attacked. Anybody that dares stick their head up gets attacked. So the subconscious mind is scanning all the time and saying, this isn't a safe tribe to be your best. Mm. And I'm in charge of your protection. Like this part of the brain, the subconscious, takes your protection very seriously. If you live in a mediocre tribe, it will do absolutely everything it can to make sure you stay mediocre because that's where you're the safest. If we allowed our children to see adults rising up into their best selves, expressing different opinions, but no one attacked them in the media and no one attacked them in public, the subconscious mind would get different signals and therefore would say, we live in a bit more of a higher achievement tribe. I'm going to mimic that. I'm going to mirror that. It's safe to be better. We're under such sort of, we're under a form of mind control aimed at our subconscious that will always give us negative feedback if we dare live out our dreams, if we dare dream outside the box, if we dare color outside the lines, everybody gets attacked and it's getting worse. And the reason they're doing that, the reason Del Bigtree is removed from the high wire, I guess he just got removed off YouTube. And the reason all those doctors in the white coats were attacked, I'm not too sure where they were giving the conference, it's because the people who rule us know that attacking them and making it very public programs our subconscious mind to underachieve and to obey. Mm. That's what they know. It has to be a public attack. It's so interesting because I get sent, like you probably do, many things every day. (laughs) There's so much. And it's so fascinating (laughs) because I'm getting sent things from people that have profiles as well here in Australia and internationally. And I won't name names, but I'll just give you an example. I had somebody recently reach out to me a few months ago and said, hey, Peter, I'd really love to be on your podcast to talk about facing fear. This person has overcome a certain fear in in their life. And I was like, yep, I'll reach out when the time is right. At the moment, the schedule's thing. But then they started sending me things about this virus and like very controversial things. And 
basically with the intention for me to share it because they know that I am not fearful of sharing things on social media in relation to this virus. And I went back to that person. I said, I looked at their social media site. Nothing has changed before or since this virus has happened. So they're still posting their same, what I would call the similar narrative. And there's my dog having a little bark around dog. It's okay. You don't have to live in fear either. Protect us. <laughs> but uh, she's about this tall. She's gorgeous. She's a little poodle. But what I found fascinating was here's a person that wanted to promote themselves as being a person that faces fear, yet at the same time they're fearful of sharing the stuff that they want me to share because they know that if he cops flack, he cops flack, but I better protect my own image, my own brand. But I'm with him on this. And I said, why don't you step up? Why don't you share it? No response. <laughs> no response. And I had it from another person that's um, world famous, like world famous. Said, You're sending me this stuff. Why aren't you sharing it? Why are you relying on me that doesn't have as large a reach as you to share it? They're like, oh, I'm undecided about it. I'm like, oh, you're fucking sending me this stuff. Like, if you're undecided, don't send it to me. Like, it, yeah. And I found it was really eye-opening for me. It was really eye-opening because what you're talking about is the fear. And I'm looking at these people and I can see what the fear is. Fear of losing money, losing sponsors, being not liked for their views. And that then means they're still living in fear. And we all have our own fears, but something that I've learned over the years is once you have a fear and not being reckless about it, I have a fear of falling off the roof of the house. It doesn't mean I'm going to go up there and jump because I'm fearful of it. But there are certain fears that I have that when I look at them, I'm like, where does that fear come from? And what does that mean? Can I face that fear? Can I overcome that fear so that I'm free? And I'd love for you to be able to talk about how you teach your tribe of people or the people that come to you to, number one, recognize what the fear is and then decide whether or not to, over or to face it, to accept it, to love it, and what that process means. Well, the biggest fear we have is not of heights. The biggest fear we have is being alone. That's where the word lunatic comes from. It comes from the word loon, which is French for moon, which when you hear the word loon, it means the only one. So in the sky, the moon is the only satellite that's up there at night. That's why they call it a, someone calls you a loon ball or a lunatic. The biggest fear we have is being alone. So the reason your friends are afraid is the same reason the average person at the coffee shop is afraid. It's because the subconscious has decided that there's certain things that you can say and do and wear and believe and act out that will make sure you're never alone. And those particular things to act out and repeat and mirror and emulate, they're controlled by the TV. And when we want to become better in any way, we're going to feel the group will always be smaller. Like picture someone like Tom Brady walking into a room. How many other people have six Super Bowls? Nobody. How many people have a wife like his? How many people as a couple make $50 million a year? It's a very small group. So when someone like Tom Brady becomes Tom Brady, 
he has to deal with the idea that every time he takes a step up in his personal betterment, the group gets smaller and he carries a subconscious mind that's completely terrified of being in anything other than the biggest group in the room. And for us to overcome our fear of becoming better, which means we're going to be in a smaller herd or a smaller tribe, which traditionally on a genetic level means we're more prone to attack, we're more prone to death. Like if you were kicked out the side of the tribe, if you were banished from the tribe 25,000 years ago, you're as good as dead. And that's why this protective subconscious, you know, sentinel, the bodyguard steps up, does its scanning, does its analysis and says, this is what you have to do to be safe. Now to overcome that, you have to literally, again, reprogram your own subconscious mind by allowing the subconscious to scan an environment that you manufacture yourself so that it believes it's safe to be rich, it's safe to be thin, it's safe to be healthy, it's safe to eat organic food. And the subconscious mind will only endorse that and get behind that if you shower positive images in through the optic nerve and through the auditory centers so that the subconscious mind says, we, oh, this is, your subconscious mind would step up and say, this is odd. We've made a tribal migration. We're in a different village. This village, everybody is prosperous. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is wealthy. Everybody's happy and at peace. And the subconscious mind says, I'm here to protect you. I won't let you down. I'm going to make sure you fit in. And if you don't think the subconscious mind can control your hormones to make you thinner by doing nothing else, you could eat the same diet, do the same exercise routine. The subconscious mind can control our internal environment. It can control the amount of IQ we have. I'll give you an example of how powerful the subconscious mind is. There's something called phantom pregnancy. Have you ever heard about it? No, I haven't. It's when a woman engages in a repetitive thought pattern that she's pregnant. So repetition is your key to you know, highlighting and accessing the subconscious. She thinks she's pregnant repetitive messaging. She starts to express breast milk. Her abdomen gets distended. They've even found the amniotic sac formed in the uterus, no baby. This is how powerful the subconscious mind can be as a receiver of repetitive information. It can work the levers inside your body. And I tell people the million dollar idea or the $10 million idea, or the $100 million idea is already inside you. It lives in the part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. But if the subconscious mind gets images and messages and symbols that are repetitive, that says, this isn't safe. It's not safe for you to be super wealthy in a mediocre tribe. The prefrontal cortex gets inhibited and the limbic system gets activated. And that $100 million idea will never come out. It's in full control. I hope that makes some sense. My family and I have been using beautiful, high-quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I 
to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, dot com backslash Pete. Yeah, it does. I've had Bruce Lipton on the podcast before and he talks about the biology of belief and uh, how right. to reprogram yourself doing Correct. these sort of positive affirmations that you listen to of a nighttime fascinating stuff and obviously the people are getting their daily dose of this whether when they watch the morning news while they're making mm-hmm. breakfast and then they're driving to work and they're listening to talkback radio or whatever the radio station is and then they they're among their work colleagues and they're talking about the same shit and then when they're driving home they're listening to the same shit and then they they're, they're putting on the television of a night time and i love my mum i think i've explained this before on the podcast but our podcast, but she sits there and watches the news of a night time. And I, I mentioned to her, I said, Mum, that's probably not the healthiest thing for you to be doing. None of it's real. I mean, it is real in one context, but it's repetitive, fear based programming. And I've been in my friends' cars driving along and they listen to the radio station with the ads. And recently, there were all these ads about COVID. This is three months ago COVID 19 and coronavirus. And I was so detached from it, but being in that vehicle with my friend listening to it, I said, do you listen to this every day? They're like, uh-huh. And I said, what do you mean? You, you listen to this, this programming? And they're like, uh-huh. They go, don't you listen to this? I said, no, I haven't listened to commercial radio for 40 years since I left my mum <laughs> driving in the car. Oh, 30 years, I should say. And it's just fascinating being able to witness this and watching this play out on a large scale. And people do not realize what is happening. It's a state of fear. And I've, I read a book many, many, many years ago by Michael Crichton who wrote Jurassic Park. And I think his best book he ever wrote was one called State of Fear. And interestingly enough, I think it was written about 20 years ago. And Michael Crichton wrote State of Fear about global warming climate change before it was really starting to become fashionable. And he basically talked about how the programming happens. And my take on the book was that climate change is all bullshit. It's just a fear-based narrative to create, again, fear and power control and money for certain aspects. And once you've seen that sort of thing play out over and over, and this is just another form of fear-based control, in my opinion, you know, corralling the herd to think a certain way, to behave a certain way for a desired outcome. And we understand what the outcome is meant to be. You know, I believe it's mass vaccination or mandatory vaccination, which will be just an ongoing, I mean, there's other layers to this as well. And it's amazing. But at the same time, what I'm witnessing, and I'm not sure whether you're seeing this, but this sabotage, it nearly feels like the people or the institutions or the organizations or the corporations or the agenda that's playing out with this pandemic or pandemic, for me, it feels like, oh, they've pushed it. They've actually pushed it too hard. And it's nearly that they're going to self-sabotage all the systems. And it's nearly like this awakening. And I don't like to use that word too much, but it's like more and more people are starting to question those systems 
So I wonder if you've seen that this potentially is a sabotage of those existing systems, the pharmaceutical system, our government system, our new world order system that's been sort of trudging along behind the, behind the scenes trying to join these dots. And, and I'm sort of looking at this going, and my wife and I were discussing it this morning, it's like, it's playing out perfectly for the ones that can see it, but also the ones that are instigating it. It's like the wheels have actually it's gone too far now that the dam is starting to break and they're trying to put their fingers into everything and grasp onto the straws because the cat's out of the bag for so many. What are your thoughts? As a guarantee, uh, they're very sloppy with the rollout, even though it's being pre-planned for decades. I think it's an old plan that really needed some upgrades before it rolled out. It's very sloppy, but evils like that Evil gets very sloppy when it gets greedy. And I think what we saw is there's so many people getting healthy. What we tell our clients in the self-sabotage field and what we teach our coaches is the part of the brain that's in charge of self-sabotage, that part that fits in the subconscious, it gets very clingy with the tribe. It gets very addicted to what makes them safe, more so when they're unhealthy. What that really means is that if you want to put someone under, say, trauma-based mind control, like, say, your mom or your friends in the car, if they're sort of already in the fight or flight mode, that's why the news is always fear-based. If I can get you in the fight or flight, you become overactivated or hyperactivated inside the subconscious mind because it means you're in fear. And when you're in fear, you need the tribe more. So that's why all the news shows are fear-based. Because when I can instill fear into you, you're going to be more clingy with the tribe because you don't think you can survive on your own or you wouldn't be in fear. And what we've seen over the past 20 years with your big, I mean, you're riding the crest of the health movement But what they're not telling you is that when a healthy brain is fully engaged, it's not as clingy with the tribe. It's less prone to self-sabotage. It's more prone to say, although it's safer over there with the majority, I'm still going to try and be my best. So I think this whole COVID pre-planned agenda was rolled out very quickly, a lot quicker than it should have been, simply because over the past, say, 15 or 20 years, so many people have been putting the fear down and allowing their brains to give them some extra rope to be their best selves anyway. They're losing control of the narrative because the brains of more and more people are being rewired out of the fight or flight mode which is activated when you're in fear. And when you bring your fear down because you're not eating toxic food, which also activates the fight or flight, you activate, you turn on the prefrontal cortex, which is the only part of the brain. It's right behind the forehead. It's the only part of the brain that has enough bravery to say, although I could be safer over there with the tribe, although it's a bigger tribe, I'm still going to muster the courage to be my best self. So I think that sort of pattern was accelerating. And they said, if we don't roll out this COVID agenda right now, we're going to lose control no matter what. So they rolled it out in a very sloppy manner. I agree with you on that. 
But when we're not in fear, and this is what I tell people, if you want to be your best, be healthy, engage in beautiful relationships with friends and your partners, if you want to lead your best life, turn the TV off and reduce the fear so that your fight, flight, or freeze mechanism inside, you know, it's called your limbic system, it starts to dull its activation. And as it dulls down, your prefrontal cortex, where all the best emotions live, it starts to upregulate all your love and your compassion, all your best business ideas, and you're going to have a lot more energy. And you're just going to be a lot more open with living your life, taking small risks, and developing the sort of world that we need to see today. I hope that makes some sense. I'm not too sure if I described that well enough. No, it does. It makes perfect sense. It's something that I've mentioned to people. I said, Could you I said these industries only exist because people feed into them. I said, imagine if the whole population of Australia just decided not to watch the news anymore or watch television. I said, it couldn't exist. That network, that industry, it wouldn't exist because it relies on advertisers. If nobody's watching, then the advertisers aren't going to pay. There's no media mogul out there that's going to keep running a TV network if nobody's going to watch it. They're too interested in creating money for their shareholders or themselves. I said, that goes. Imagine if everyone started to look at alternative health as part of their health regime. I'm not saying walk away from modern medicine, embrace modern medicine when you need to, but imagine if everybody started to question what else is out there that could help me on this journey. You and I both know type 2 diabetes. We have nearly 10% of our population in Australia that are type 2 diabetic. And we both know it can be reversed in 90 to 95, if not more, percent of the cases within probably eight weeks to three months. Could you imagine if those 10% of the people that are spending money on pharmaceuticals shifted it to organic foods? Could you imagine what system would be developed there with the farmers that were producing conventional foods that have been sprayed, but all of a sudden their neighbours that are selling organic foods start not being able to supply the people? Oh, we might get into organic farming. So the people actually have the power to change the systems and we could do it tomorrow. We could actually do it tomorrow. We could change the medical system, the agricultural system, the entertainment system, the fear-based news system. And what I'm seeing at the moment is solutions to these popping up. More and more people are wanting to step out of cities to go and get a plot of land to become self-sustainable. New media platforms are emerging very, very rapidly. New natural products are becoming more understood. Say, for instance, zinc from oysters in relation to viruses. The appreciation of the sun, the vitamin D in relation to viruses. Heat as a form of understanding what that does to viruses. Breath work in understanding what that does for our immune system. Imagine if everybody just sort of, and it wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take many because of the ripple effect would just be so dramatic. But it's stepping out of that herd and creating a new tribe that is operating of that system. And interestingly enough, when I was in Costa Rica last year, I was drinking ayahuasca, and one of the things that I asked in that journey was, what would it take for humanity to keep evolving and to overcome all the bullshit that's happening? And the answer was an increase in vibration or an increase in frequency, a higher frequency, 
and it won't take that many people. Yeah, and this is why we tell our clients if they want to become their best self, when we're charged with, when we charge our fee, we're charged in teaching them how to reprogram their subconscious mind. We always tell them you have to shut off the TV because when we're going to program the subconscious mind with positive health symbols, positive wealth symbols, positive relationship symbols, we can't have the person reprogramming in the theta state like Bruce Lipton talked about, and then them going watching Games of Thrones where someone's lopping off someone's head or they're watching Dirty Grandpa or Bad Moms. Because those repetitive images of bad behavior also program the subconscious mind. And we can't have, for a person to evolve into their full prefrontal cortex and evolve into the best of themselves, they can't experience any sort of death imagery, fear-based vibration. So we tell them, if you want to really follow through with this, and anybody can try this, just shut the news off, shut the TV off, and watch your Netflix. Do Everything is death imagery. And your subconscious mind is always getting those repetitive symbols or repetitive behaviors. And then we say also turn down your limbic system because your fight or flight or freeze system can be activated by poison. So we say don't use your mouth as a garbage compactor anymore. We write them a diet. And then we also tell them turn off the TV and then we reprogram them. Then we bring in the hypnosis and the subconscious programming in the theta state before they go to bed. And we trick this sentinel. We trick your bodyguard to work the levers of your metabolism to make sure you're going to live your best life. by make, We trick the subconscious to believe that you live in Atlantis. That's what we do. <laughs> I love it, brother. Oh, oh, that makes some sense. I love it. So where were, where were we at? I mean, I looked at your Instagram page today. You talked about Sweden, I think, was the latest post that you did. Right. Give me your take and what the next few months is going to look like if you've got an idea. I think you're going to see exactly what a lot of people think. I think we're going to see an uptake in testing. And we all know that the testing that they're doing for COVID is the PCR test, and it was invented by Kerry Mullis, and he won the Nobel Prize for Science for that, and he never called it a test. He called it an invention. Kerry Mullis, who invented this, said it's a PCR invention. He won the Nobel Prize for Science in 93 for this invention, and what's even more odd is Dr. Fauci, if we can believe he's been around this long, use the PCR invention to test AIDS and HIV patients in the 80s. Even though the inventor has said, my invention is simply a diagnostic tool for magnifying any kind of genetic debris. It has no ability to diagnose disease. And Kerry Mullis made that assertion to Dr. Fauci. in the 80s, because this sort of pattern of attack on the public is being repeated. They would use the PCR invention to test people for HIV and AIDS, and it has no ability to detect HIV or AIDS. 
and half the people who were tested would test positive, half the people would tested would test negative, and neither of the two groups, it would mean nothing, but it would build the hysteria. So flash forward to today, oddly enough, we have Dr. Fauci at the realm again with the PCR test, and you give it in Australia, they're upregulating all the tests. So when they tell you too, like maybe they have 300 new cases in Victoria, it just means they did a thousand tests with this diagnostic tool that can't confirm nor deny any sort of disease. It just spits out, sometimes it spits out that you're negative, sometimes it spits out that you're positive. And what they're going to do is they're going to ramp up the testing into the hundreds of thousands, 500,000 to get 200,000 people tested negative, and they're going to use that to fan the flames of the fear, and they're going to shut everything down. And we know what they're going to say is you can come out when you take this vaccine. And there was a whistleblower from GlaxoSmithKline out of the UK. He came out and said they're putting HCG in the vaccines in the UK, which is an anti-fertility agent that makes the body attack its own sperm or attack its own ovaries. So what are we going to see? Well, we're probably going to see if the public doesn't understand that they're being ambushed, we will see more public ambushing. They're going to have to understand that the test for COVID and look into it for themselves. It's the PCR test. It has no way to diagnose any sort of disease. No pathogenic disease whatsoever can be diagnosed through the PCR test. And can we imagine a viral attack or a disease that's so dangerous that everybody that has it is healthy? Everybody that has it doesn't even know they're sick? And how are they convincing healthy people, that they're actually sick, it's through this PCR test. And every time you get an upregulation of this testing, it gets very, very dangerous for the public because it's like one of those eight balls at the novelty shop where you just shake it. You might as well use one of those. You might as well flip a coin. And the public have to realize that they're not being told the truth about this virus whatsoever. There's something called the Koch's postulate that has to be satisfied for anybody to, for a scientist to stand up in a conference and say, I have a new virus. You have to satisfy what's called Koch's postulate, which is not being satisfied with COVID. And no one's really understanding these aspects to COVID that the virus under the most basic terms, has not yet been proven to exist. That's why they call it SARS-CoV-2, because it hasn't been isolated as its own individual virus. They're saying there's genetic sequences similar between COVID and SARS. But what's funny is SARS not even a virus. What does SARS stand for? Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. And a syndrome is a catch basket of different characteristics of disease. It's not a virus in itself. SARS as well has not been isolated in its full genetic sequence. People don't even know these things. And it's very important that they investigate on their own. I would say start with Dr. Andrew Kaufman 
if they would like to know the full story or just start investigating Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test. And so that's what's going to happen. More tests that don't have anything to do with diagnosing disease. Then we have the fear that shuts down the prefrontal cortex and activates the tribal mechanism to cling to what the tribe says is safe. And then we have everybody complying and tripping over themselves, trying to be good citizens, when really they're just holding hands and walking into the abattoir. They have to be very, very careful about what they agree to do going forward. I hope that it was okay to say on your show. <laughs> oh, good, brother. Oh, good. No, I love it. I love it. Uh, so what's next for you? Basically, what I've been doing lately for myself is I've been listening to a lot of Jeff Berwick. I don't know if you know Jeff. He's the organizer of Anarchapoco, where it was a big freedom conference. And he is big in the cryptocurrency area. And he's been giving a lot of great financial advice as various stock markets move up and move down. Jeff Berwick has a great newsletter that he gives out. And I tell people being wealthier in the next two years is going to be very important. So I've been using a lot of my time to educate people about what's coming, but I'm also giving them the tools through Jeff Berwick's programs to try and make sure they fortify themselves financially so they can survive or even prosper through what's coming. And that's where I've been focusing a lot of my time. Do you want to give us an overview of that or should we save that for another time? No, basically Jeff's solutions are very simple and he gives out uh, weekly or daily tips about what cryptocurrencies are hot, not hot, because he has a team that doesn't guess on anything and they only have three or four facets to their investment strategies. Cryptocurrencies that they endorse, they have about 12 of them and I think there's about 5,000 cryptocurrencies, so they have picked 12. He advises gold and silver. He also advises various gold, silver, and plutonium mining companies. And then he says to have some cash on the side for quick buys and get in and get out. So I've been taking his advice. I have gold and silver. The cryptocurrency recommendations he's given me have gone up over 100% in the past three months. So they're poised to do... One of his recommendations he gave out about seven weeks ago has gone up 1,700%. There you go. Yeah, so I tell people it's good to spread the truth, but if you can't afford a gun, you can't afford a shell, you can't afford a water filter, you, can't, you, know, you want to be both. You want to focus on getting the truth out, but you also want to have enough wealth to have a storage area of food, maybe have a backup generator, maybe have crossbows or anything you might need going forward. You just, I tell people, I know a lot of truthers that are dedicating all their time to truth. And I'm like, well, do you have any bottled water? Do you have any filters for your water? Do you have a generator? No, I don't have it. I'm like, that's why I started doing both the truth releases about what's really going on, plus fortifying that with if you have any extra money, this is you should go toward Jeff Berwick and really look into what he's doing so you can double, triple, or quadruple your money going forward so that you can fortify yourself regarding what's coming. Mm. Hope that makes some sense. Yeah. 
crossbows, water, storage. <laughs> I've heard. I did a top 10 podcast myself on what I'm doing. So we, you know, we have storages of food. We, in Canada, the guns are legal. I have four guns, four legally owned guns with lots of ammunition, not to shoot people. But just, I mean, if there was a power outage or a food shortage or something, you will see hungry people seeking the people who have prepped. And you, sometimes you have to protect your property. And it's not about, you know, sometimes it's just like shooting into the air. It's not about any sort of violence. But we have to make sure, I don't think it's going to get there. I just tell people, just be prepared. Mm. Just be prepared because, you know, if you have extra food or extra this or extra that, if nothing comes about, well, you just go through it anyway. You know, nothing, no harm can come from it. Yeah, I've heard the same thing that uh, famine might be a big issue coming. Yeah, we don't like to, you know, do the doom and gloom, but we tell people that, yeah, there's some food shortages and the people who are testing us with the fake PCR test and the people that are using mind control techniques in our news. It's not like they only have a benefit to them that's financial. They have other agendas that they're trying to play out where food shortages, anything that makes us weak gives them the advantage. Hmm. So it's good to stay strong and vital and healthy. And sometimes that takes stockpiling some extra food, having a chest freezer, whether you're vegan or not vegan, just make sure you have enough food supplies to maybe, because they might say, hey, you can't come out and shop until you get the vaccine. So, you know, and that might only go away through protests or other sort of factors. You might have to hold out in your home for a couple months. Are you going to be prepared for that? Are you just going to take the lowest hanging fruit and and take what they're offering. So just stay independent, stay strong, stay healthy, be prepared. I endorse Jeff Berwick. He doesn't know me. Although I spoke at his conference, I just said hi to him in there. He doesn't even know I endorse his product. Awesome. No, I love it. And I guess the message there is not not about fear. It's about empowerment. It's it's basically how we used to be. We used to have to look after our own food supply. We used to have to tend for ourselves and not rely on too many others. I mean, we used to be able to do that in, a, in our tribe or our village. And the systems that we've set up, once again, make us very reliant on other people. And yeah, what I'm hearing, and that's, I mean, we've been fortunate enough to get a farm years ago because it wasn't that I saw what was coming. It was more that we wanted to be self-empowered. We wanted to be self-sustainable. We wanted to know where our food came from. We wanted to make sure that our water was clean. That, I think, is our basic human rights. And it's not even rights. It's just common sense. We need to have clean water, beautiful food, and access to nature, sun. And I also like to walk around naked as much as possible. And doing that in suburbia isn't really probably what people want to see at the moment. <laughs> but on a farm, we can do that. And at the same time, we get to tick all of those boxes because I can't trust what we get in the supermarkets. I can't trust the water that comes out of our municipal or council operated water supply system. Yet, of the population do rely on that and trust that system. And I think we'll leave it there, brother. I think it's all about self-empowerment and doing the best that you can, even if it's just growing a tomato plant in your backyard at the moment. 
That's exactly. And I tell people just uh, be healthy. You're doing a great job, Pete, showing people how to eat healthy. Just tell people should just try to turn off the TV, get in, in contact with nature, reduce their fear, and the subconscious mind will take care of the rest. We have the power inside of us already. We're very powerful creatures. There is no journey. There is no destination. We just have to blow the dust off. Everything we need is already inside of us. So we can only get there by reducing the fear and making sure we work with our natural state and not against it. Love you, Jason. Thank you so much for the trust and for your wisdom today, mate. Thank you for having me, Pete. We'll cook up a meal one day over in Canada when I can travel again. Guaranteed. I can't wait. Cheers, brother. Love you. Thank you. If you would like to become a qualified health coach, then the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, or IIN for short, can help you achieve your goals. I completed their health coaching course many years ago, which has been one of the catalysts for my own journey into what I now love to do, which is to help people achieve greater health through the sharing of information through my books, seminars, podcasts, TV shows, and films. I recommend IIN for anyone wishing to pursue a career in the health coaching and wellness space. IIN is a one-year course, so that if you're a full-time worker, busy parent, or wherever you are in your life, it is flexible enough so you'll be able to complete all the required curriculum. Please see the link included in the podcast show notes or my website to access the free sample class and first module of their program. This will give you a great taste of the format as well as the structure, and you can also utilize my special discount that I can offer you if you decide to sign up. Make sure you tell the admissions team that you're part of the Pete Evans Tuition Savings to claim your very substantial discount. Please visit integrativenutrition.com or email admissions at integrativenutrition.com. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.